Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Catalyst. Uh, my name is JR. I'm the teaching pastor here. And as we are beginning this morning, I just want to say to all of you who are guests with us, thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you feel welcomed here at Catalyst, and we hope you feel encouraged. And the only thing that we ask of you as a guest is that you be open to hear from God this morning. We believe that God has gathered us all here together. And if we will be open, then God will speak to us. We will hear from God. So that's all we ask for guests. Please be open. Uh, we began with this song this morning by Rag and Bone Man called Human. And it's, uh, it sounds very much like one side of a painful conversation that's sort of the end of a relationship or some, I mean, something, you know, it's a little bit hard to tell, but he keeps insisting over and over and over uh, not to blame him for the other person's disappointment, uh, not to blame him because he's only human, right? He says, uh, he says don't, don't blame me. I can't solve your problems. I'm only human, right? I can't figure it out. I'm only human. I, I can't be honest. I'm only human. I'm not a Messiah. I'm only human. And I think one of the reasons the song resonates with us is because we, we know that. We know that we're not God. We know that we can't save the world. If we're being really honest, we know we can't even save ourselves. And so we want to, we want to say that you know, with him. Don't, don't blame me. And, and I think it's fair to say that sometimes we have expectations of other people that are unreasonable, right? That we, we maybe expect more out of people than they can realistically give. But that's not what the song is about. The song is a person saying humanity, to be human is to fail, right? Is to let you down. So don't expect anything out of me. Don't, don't trust me. Don't feel like I'm worthy of your faith because I'm only human. Now, on one level, I think we've all been there. I mean, when was the last time that you let someone down? You know, maybe it was something small, like you didn't return a phone call. Uh, maybe it was a little bigger, like you didn't show up. Uh, maybe like me, you live a long way from family, and that disappoints your family because they would like to see you more often, right? And so anytime a holiday rolls around, you feel some that pain and some of that tension. Uh, maybe you broke a promise, right? You said you would do something, you didn't do it. We've all been there. We've all let people down. And when that happens, we want to quote Rag and Bone Man and say, hey, listen, that disappointment you're feeling, that's on you. That's not on me. You shouldn't have expected anything out of me because I'm only human, right? Even Shakespeare said, to err is human. We have this idea that to be human is to be fundamentally unworthy of trust, fundamentally a failure. And today what we're going to see is that that's not true, that the, the first truth of humanity is not failure, right? The first truth of humanity is that we were created in God's image and that there is power and beauty in our humanity. And Jesus actually proves that for us. That's what we're going to see today. And we're going to see that Jesus reveals to us what it means to be created in God's image, what it means to bear God's image. And so we're going to begin together today worshiping God, celebrating who God is and some of God's character uh, so that then we can begin to talk about what it means uh, to be human in a way that we bear this God's image. So would you stand with me and would you worship God? God. Y'all can have a seat. Uh, as we are continuing to worship, I wanted to take a moment to call your attention to this little guy we call the Beaker Mini. Uh, everything here at Catalyst with a beaker on it means it's got info we want you to know, so please make sure you take a look at this. Uh, one special, specific thing that is in here, but I wanted to make sure that you knew about, it's something that the leadership team and I have been very excited about, and we get to talk about it this morning, is that we are going to, our goal is by the end of the summer to remodel our entryway out there. Uh, when this building was built, it was built to have offices in it, and we don't use offices anymore. And we prefer 
uh, community and connection. And so uh, we are going to knock some walls out and transform that space out there into an easier space to kind of hang out so it doesn't feel like you're kind of being herded like cattle in and out uh, the doors. And, uh, and we're going to be able to do it for about $2,000, which is really, uh, we thought that was a great uh, a great deal to be able to do that. And so we're, we're going to be raising money over the summer to work towards that. So uh, we are asking the church, you Catalyst people, to uh, prayerfully consider if that's something you would like to give to above and beyond your, your regular giving. Uh, we still got to, you know, keep the lights on and stuff. So don't replace uh, your giving with, with remodel giving. But uh, if that's something you'd like to contribute to above and beyond, we are, we are just really excited about it. There are some drawings out there uh, that are uh, kind of a rough sketch of what's going to happen. And then Stephanie Hughes and Josh Mounts are the two that have kind of been masterminding this. So if you know them, you can grab them, and they'll probably be happy to tell you a little bit more about their uh, machinations and planning about what that's all going to look like. If you don't know them, you can talk to me, and I'll do my best. But they're really much better at it. So uh, we are really excited about this. We, uh, we're loving being together in one uh, worship gathering for the summer. We're loving all the new connections that are being made among the Catalyst family. And so this is just another step for us of being able to make it easier for us to connect with each other uh, because because relationships are the heart of the church. Relationship is the heart of God and relationship is the heart of the church. And so we, we want even our building to be able to reflect that. And so this is a, a next step towards that for us. So um, again, that's, that's just something we're really excited about. If you, if you do want to give to it, you can, you can use the app. There's a, a place on there uh, in the app that you can just, it says remodel, or if you give with a check or something like that, just make sure you write on there that you, that you want that to go towards the remodel, and we will uh, we'll get all that uh, together. So we'll keep you updated the progress on that, um, but hopefully here in about a month or so, you'll see some, you know, drywall dust and things like that, and maybe a little tarp or something, so uh, it'll be really exciting. So anyway, I just wanted to make you aware of that, because we have been very excited about it. We were talking about it over the last couple of meetings, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a fun step for us to be able to do to, to make our building even more uh, accommodating for what we think the most important thing about the church is. So we're, we're really excited about that. Uh, also, in this uh, mini, there is a tear-off, and there's a spot in here for prayer requests. If there's something that is going on in your life that we, as your Catalyst family, could join you in prayer for, we would be honored to do that. You can just write it down on there and drop it in the box by the door on your way out, uh, and we'll send that out via email to our prayer team. If you would like prayer for something and you don't want to send out to people uh, via email and you mark the box that says this is confidential, then only our pastors will see that so that our pastors can be joining you in prayer over that. Uh, we like to tear this off all at one time because it makes fun little noise. So if you get it ready, I'm going to count to three and then we're going to tear it off. So here we go. Ready or tear off? One, two, three. Very good. And kids, that means it's time for you to head back to the lab. Thank you for being in here, for singing with us. Uh, they're going to go back and hear the good news about Jesus at their level. Same thing we're doing for us in here. And parents, if you did not know that all summer the lab is doing the same lessons as we are in here. Uh, so Vanessa and her team are, are translating everything we're talking about in here down to the kids' level. So uh, when you pick your kids up from the lab, make sure you ask them what they learned because it should... If I did my job right, it should be basically the same thing that we did in here. So uh, if not, that's definitely on me because Vanessa's awesome. And I think we know, we know who to blame for that. So thank you, Vanessa and Lab Volunteers. We'll see you later. Uh, as they are leaving now, uh, this, I would like to invite you to pass peace with me. This is something that we do every week here at Catalyst. We know that peace comes into the world from God. We believe it comes through us as God's ambassadors. So each week we greet each other. We offer each other peace in the name of Jesus uh, to remember that we go back into the world as peacemakers. And because we're all in one room together for the summer, we're extending uh, the, the passing of the peace by a little bit. And then instead of a sermon bumper like we usually do, we've been showing We Are Catalyst videos. Uh, so you're getting to know you know, some more of the people in the congregation. So please stand with me, greet some people around you in the name of Jesus, and then enjoy the next Catalyst, We Are Catalyst video.
catalyst about eight years ago. Um, and I would say we're pretty in agreement on it was our last ditch effort to salvage our relationship. She had changed, I had changed, and we were both trying to, I guess, be somebody that we weren't. I think uh, for me, I've gotten closer to God. Um, of course, because JR's preaching, he's amazing. Um, I definitely feel like I understand the Bible a lot more through his teachings. But I would have to say the people, uh, the people here, um, we've really seen a lot of transformations and seeing God working through those people. And that helps me to feel like he is here. He is with us. You know, myself um, changing from who I used to be to who I am now and the people here that have accepted that and that are, you know, just embrace you with open arms. Um, Catalyst wouldn't be who Catalyst is without the people that are here. What's our favorite thing about Catalyst? Depends on who you would ask. <laughs> if you ask our kids, would be uh, synthesis or the lab. Me personally, I would have to say the donuts and the coffee. <laughs> uh, for myself, I'd probably have to say um, having an extended family here, knowing that uh, my family of four is loved when they walk through the doors. Our C group is the Booth C group. Uh, I think there's been uh, lots of things that we have been through since coming to Catalyst that we have been able to open up to them. Right, it's a smaller setting, uh, more intimate, and uh, I guess more of a comfort level. Yes, like you walk in over there and you're, you're at home. Oh, thank you, Brenda and Ronald, that was awesome. Yeah, you can cheer, it's fine. If you don't know, Brenda's part of our leadership team, so we love them. Uh, so this series that we're in this summer is called Believe, and we are exploring the Apostles' Creed, which is one of the oldest statements of what Christians believe. Uh, it, helped, it helped shape how, uh, what the early Christians even understood faith to be. And so during this series, we've been talking about belief uh, and challenging the way we usually think of belief, which is sort of like a barrier to entry. Like until you believe all of the right things, you're not allowed to be a part of what we're doing here. We've been challenging that. And instead of setting beliefs at the front door, we sort of set them ahead of us and said, these, these statements of belief are goals. They're invitations to uh, trust the wisdom of the church, which stretches across the world and back for 2,000 years. And they're an invitation to, uh, to live deeper into the, the mysteries of faith that these belief statements point to. So we began by talking about God as the creator and how to confess God as the creator is not to make some kind of a scientific claim necessarily, but to insist that every person matters, that life has meaning and purpose, and that the world uh, was created for a reason and is, is being uh, moved in a specific direction by the creator. That's what it means to confess God as the creator. And then last week, we talked about what it means to say that Jesus is the son of God, and that Jesus is God, that Jesus is the creator, the, the one who bound the world together, and that for us to confess Jesus as the creator is for us to look for uh, how Christ is speaking all around us in every part of our lives. 
So today's statement of the creed, today's piece is, uh, is just following from, I believe in Jesus, the Son of God. And we're going to talk about how uh, we are going to say, I believe Jesus who was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. And he suffered under Pontius Pilate. We're going to kind of clip it right there. We're going to focus on Jesus, the human. Okay, last week is Jesus, God, right? This week is Jesus, the human. Jesus who was born and who suffered. Now, I know that the idea of Jesus being born of a virgin is something that people get hung up on. And I started to like write a whole message that was tackling that. But we actually did that sermon about six months ago, right before Christmas. Okay, and so what I would tell you is, if you are not here for that sermon... And that's something that you're interested in, understanding why confessing that Jesus was born of a virgin matters. Uh, we'll put a link to that sermon. It was from December 18th, back up on our Facebook page, and you can go check out that. I just didn't want to like do it twice, right? I figured there's plenty more things that we can talk about, uh, uh, and, 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 and I figured you'd be super bored by it. So, right? so, uh, so instead, we're going to talk about what it means to say that Jesus was born and that he suffered, Okay? Uh, because the early Christians confessed that Jesus was fully God, fully God, and fully human. Tim talked a little bit about this last week, right? That it's not 50-50, right? It's, or like 60-40 or 80-30 or 80-20 or whatever, right? It's 100%, 100%. It's this mysterious God math that doesn't really work in our brains, right? Jesus is fully God and fully fully human. And so we're going to talk today about what it means to say that Jesus was fully human. To say that Jesus was born. Now today we think the birth of a new baby is a beautiful thing, right? In the ancient world though, it was less less of a celebration. In the Jewish faith, a woman who had given birth was unclean, right? People couldn't touch her. She had to go live in a special tent outside of the camp. Ancient peoples were often offended by the idea that a god could be born the way humans are born. In fact, if you go back, if you, if you know your Greek mythology, right, and you go back and read all your Greek mythology, very rarely is a Greek god born the way humans are born. Like uh, Athena came out of, she was born by like popping out of Zeus's skull, right? So even the Greek gods, like they couldn't, un- they couldn't fathom even though they had anthropomorphized their gods, right, and told stories about them coming down to earth, they couldn't fathom that these gods would condescend to be born in the messy way that humans are born. They just, like, ancient peoples just found that, frankly, offensive. And yet, Christians insisted that Jesus was born a human, that he was fully human. So apologies to the worst Christmas carol, Away in a Manger, but... Jesus did cry as a baby, because babies cry. That's just like what they do, right? So yeah, it's a cute song, but it's theologically problematic, right? I know, I just ruined Christmas for you, but we're in July, so it's fine, right? We got got six months to forget about that. All right. Jesus cried as a baby. Jesus experienced the terrible twos. Uh, The the scriptures don't talk about Joseph, Jesus' early father, after the birth story, And so most scholars think that sometime when Jesus was a teenager, Joseph probably died. So Jesus experienced loss of a parent. Jesus experienced having to take over as the man of the house, being the, the, as the oldest son, he would have been the primary caregiver for his mother, for his younger siblings, right? He experienced having to take that burden on. 
And when Jesus was around 30, when he, when he was called into his ministry, he experienced having to leave his family, having to disappoint them, having to let them down to follow God's call. Jesus got tired. Jesus got irritable. All those things that we don't like to admit about being human, right? Jesus experienced those things. He was fully human. We don't like to think about that. We like to focus on Jesus' ministry, right? We like to focus on all of the magic stuff that he's doing, right? Healings and exorcisms and all that kind of stuff. We like to look at the Jesus who does things that we can't do. There's one problem with that. In John chapter 14, Jesus makes this statement. He says, he, now this is, he's talking to his disciples before they leave earth, right? And he says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done, and even greater works, because I am going to be with the Father. Jesus says, this, this thing that we started it's just getting started. There's a lot more work to do. And you're going to do it. You're going to do the same things I did and even greater things than me. Now, this is where we want to push back, right? We're going to say, whoa, Jesus. We're going to quote Rag and Bone Man, right? Don't, don't put your faith in me. Don't put your faith in us. We're only human. We can't do the things that you can do. We're only human. The problem with that, though, is that Christians, since the beginning, have been confessing that Jesus is fully human. This is, this is where it's going to be challenging for us. This means that what we see Jesus doing in his earthly ministry are human things. What we see Jesus doing in his earthly ministry, these are human things. See, we like to think that Jesus is sort of like Superman. Like he looks human, but he's got a bunch of extra powers that we don't have. And that's why he was able to do all of the stuff that he was able to do. Because he's like up here and we're down here. And we're supposed to look up to him. But when the early Christians said that Jesus is fully human, what they, said, what they meant was that when we see Jesus, we see what a fully human life looks like. That Jesus is not Superman. That Jesus is who we were created to be and who we are called to be. Think about it this way. If all the things that we see Jesus doing in the scriptures are things that God does, then Jesus did not need to become human. Right? He didn't need the incarnation. If God can just do that stuff, well, why doesn't God just stay in heaven and either do things from up in heaven or send angels down to do them. Because that happens a lot throughout the scriptures, right? We have plenty of instances of God either just doing something from heaven or sending an angelic messenger to do it for him or deliver a message or whatever. If the things that Jesus was doing on earth were God things that only God can do, well, God can do that kind of stuff without having to be born and certainly without having to suffer. So what we see Jesus doing in his earthly ministry is not superpower stuff not superhuman stuff. It's fully human stuff. What we see in Jesus is who we can be with God's help. Fully human, not superhuman, fully human. See, this is where we want to push back, right? We think about all of the amazing things that Jesus did, and we say, but that's, we, we, don't, we don't do those things. 
You know, we don't feed the hungry. We don't heal the sick, right? We don't do miracles. We're just humans. But I would challenge that. Uh, it's going to be three years in September since Amanda and I moved here to be a part of Catalyst. And uh, we showed up on a Thursday night, spent the night, uh, spent the night with with some friends. And then the next morning at like nine o'clock, we had our big moving truck outside our house. And I don't know, like 30 of you showed up. And the truck was unpacked in like 20 minutes. And so everyone said, well, we budgeted a lot more time than this. Can we just help you unpack? We said, sure, we don't know where anything goes anyway. We just got here, so have at it. And so before lunch, basically our entire house was unpacked. And if you've ever moved, you know that is a literal miracle, (laughs) right? And I have to tell you, we felt incredibly loved and welcomed from that act of kindness and compassion. Already by, we're a little over halfway through the year now, right? Already our C groups have packed Hundreds of boxes at Life Message. Hundreds. Hundreds. Which means that hundreds of families in our community have had food when they needed a little extra help. That's miraculous. We've had a lot of sickness in our community over the last couple of years. And from Elizabeth and Leroy Sims, who lead our care team, who are always at the hospital to pray with us, to, I mean, I have literally lost count of how many meals you have prepared and delivered to people who just need a little extra help while they're trying to get better. That's miraculous. That doesn't happen normally. You ask anyone who's been the recipient of that kind of kindness, and they will tell you it's life changing, life saving, it's a miracle. What's most interesting about Jesus is that. People were not most impressed with his miracles. There were, lots of, there were lots of exorcists. There were lots of healers. There were lots of people who could do the kinds of things that Jesus did when we're talking about miracles. In fact, if you read through the gospel stories, people are never saying, wow, that guy can do some neat tricks. What they're saying is, have you ever heard teaching like that before? with such power, with such authority. That's what people are impressed by with Jesus. That's what they find miraculous, is the fact that everywhere Jesus goes, all of these people who had been told their whole lives that they are uh, outcasts, that God doesn't want them, that God doesn't care about them, that in fact, maybe even perhaps God is against them, Jesus keeps saying, I've got some good news for you. The Spirit has come upon me to announce the good news to the poor, to heal the sick, to release the captives, to give sight to the blind. And all of these people, the the worst of the worst, keep finding a home with Jesus, and that's what people found miraculous. They'd never heard teaching like this before. How many of you, the first time you came to Catalyst, were afraid to walk in the doors because of something in your past? How many of you, like Brenda and Ronald, this was your last hope? It was almost like a literal Hail Mary. Like, well, I guess we'll try this because we're out of options. Right? And yet here you have found the same thing I've found. Love. Welcome. A place that's free of judgment and condemnation so that you feel safe to connect with God. So that you can begin to be transformed by the life-giving spirit of God. That's miraculous. 
And we want to push back on that, right? We want to say, but it's not a miracle. It's like just, I don't know. But when you experience that week after week, when you find such life and hope here, you can only say that God is breaking forth among us. God is doing things among us. God is transforming and bringing life among us. And if that's not a miracle, I don't know what a miracle is. When we push back and say we're only human, we miss that we are God's people. When we welcome, when we love, when we give, when we serve, like that we are doing the work of God. We are doing all of those things that Jesus promised that we would be doing. And we want to say that we're only human, but we miss that that's why God calls us to do this together. Because when we do this together, we are unstoppable, as Jesus promised that we would be. When we start with only human, what we're really doing is we're allowing the first thing that we believe to be true about us to be sin, right? To be failure. Because we all fail, we all sin, we know that. But we somehow have gotten it in our heads that that's the first thing, that's the core thing, that's where our story begins, that we are failures, that we are losers, that we are worthless, that we are sinners. But that's not where the human story begins. Look again, this is what we read uh, the first week together, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. This is at the end of the creation story on day six. God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us, and they will reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and the livestock and all the wild animals on earth and all the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, govern it, reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all of the animals that scurry along the ground. Friends, this, this is the first truth of humanity. That we are created in God's image and put on this earth to rule over the earth as God rules. To be God's representatives, God's viceroys, right? God's ambassadors. That's the first truth of humanity. That's where our story begins, not with sin, not with failure, but with love, with faith, God putting his faith in us. Which again, in our history, may admit you may have not been the greatest decision, right? We haven't been faithful all the time, but that's exactly why Jesus has come. And we can't ignore sin. We can't overlook it. Actually, that's what we're going to be talking about next week. Right? Is if this is where humanity starts, then how did it go so wrong? And what did God do about it? That's next week. So we can't overlook it. We can't ignore it. But we don't start there. And we certainly do not end there. If you need proof, God became human. God who is perfect. God who knows no sin became one of us. As John says, the word became flesh. Took on humanity, fully human. Not kind of human, not 50% human, not like he looked human, but if you tried to touch him like he was a hologram, not, like nothing like that. Fully human. That's how we know 
That's how we know that we can be like Jesus. Jesus shows us what a fully human life looks like, and Jesus makes us able to join him in being fully human. Jesus restores the image of God in us. Jesus calls us back to who we started out as. That's what it means to be fully human. Now, we have to be really honest about something else. To be human is to be limited, right? It is. I think this is, the, this is the paradox of being human and of really seeking a fully human life for me, is that we are limited, but we're not just anything. We're not only anything. We're, we're limited. We can't do everything. We can't help everyone. We can't be everyone's friend. We can't fix every problem. We're, we're limited. And if you try to do that, anyone who's ever tried to do that, you know, you get burned out really fast, right? So what do we do? Well, one of my favorite pastors is a guy named Andy Stanley. And he has this great saying that has really helped me in trying to navigate this. He says, do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. Do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. See, even Jesus, when he was here on earth, he didn't heal every sick person. Right? He didn't fix every problem. He even said when he was about to be crucified, right? He said, look, there's still a lot of work to do and y'all are going to do it. So we know that even Jesus as fully human, experience limitations. But don't let the fact that you're limited paralyze you, right? Just because you can't do everything doesn't mean you can't do something. So do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. You can't be everyone's friend, but you can befriend one person. You can't be there for everyone, but you can choose to be there for one person, one couple, one person who's struggling, whatever, right? You can do for one what you wish you could do for everyone. To be limited is not to be powerless. And that's why God calls us to be a church together. Because when we are all doing for one what we wish we could do for everyone, then we are all being cared for, right? That's why we do this together. That's why God binds us together as a church. Because together is where everyone finds life, finds hope. When we allow God to make us fully human, then the lost find a home. When we allow God to make us fully human, the hurting find comfort. When we allow God to make us fully human, the anxious find peace. When we allow God to make us fully human, the oppressed find justice. When we allow God to make us fully human, the hopeless find that there is a reason to go on, that things really could get better. When we allow God to make us fully human, the outsiders find welcome. (coughs) To be a church that says we believe that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit born of a virgin, and suffered under Pilate means a lot of things. But at least one thing it means is that we affirm that Jesus really did become human. That humanity was not somehow below God's love. That God didn't just phone it in. That God didn't just sort of fake it and appear to be human. 
but that God became fully human so that we too might see what it looks like to be fully human and so that we might be returned, restored to our full humanity. We're going to come to the communion table this morning. Because if we're following Jesus, what it means to be fully human is in part then to follow him to the cross. It's why he told his disciples, if anyone would follow me, you have to pick up your cross and follow me. This table invites us to the meal that he shared with his followers the night before he was killed. When he broke bread and gave it to them as his body and he said, eat this and remember me. When he passed a cup of wine and he said, this is my blood poured out as a new covenant, new relationship between you and God. Drink it. You don't have to be a member of Catalyst to receive communion this morning. If you are someone who is willing to trust that the first thing that is true about you is not that you're a failure, but that you bear the image of God. And that through Jesus' death and resurrection, God can restore that image in you. And you're welcome to come to the table this morning. Uh, since we are going through the creed this summer, then before, each week before we approach the table, we are saying the creed together. And again, these statements, many of them can be challenging. Some of them can be confusing, right? But these are not barriers that you have to be able to sign off on 100% before you're allowed to belong here. These are goals. These are statements about the church, that the church has handed to us from 2,000 years of wisdom. And we say them as an act of confession, as an act of hope, as an act of faith, that the same God who created us and called us is still living and at work in us. So I'd invite you to stand with me, to say the creed, and then I'm going to pray over us. And then as you're ready, you're welcome to come forward and receive communion. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, and he ascended to heaven and is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's pray together. God, we are so grateful that you have gathered us into this space to hear this amazing news. We so often get caught up in the ways that we have failed, in the ways that we have let people down. We let other people's disappointments in us define who we are. And yet we have seen this morning in your scriptures that the first thing that is true about us is that you created us in your image, that you called us to be your people. And even though we have failed, even though we have sinned, you did not let that define us. Instead, you became one of us, fully human in every way, so that when we see you, we might see who you created us to be. Not a Superman 
who forever flies above us, unreachable, unattainable, but somehow impossibly who you call us to be. You have called us to be a part of Catalyst, a place where so much beauty and power is evident. And so as a church this morning, we approach your table. We bring all of our doubts and our insecurities and our fears. We bring all of our failures, all of our sins, all of the ways that we have let people down, all the ways we've let you down. And we receive from you your body and blood. We ask that these wafers and juice become a spiritual food for us. That they would open our eyes that we might see you more clearly. That we might know how to follow you into the world. Be your people. Be your representatives. That all of us might do for that one what we wish we could do for everyone but we do for that one in an act of faithfulness, knowing that we are not working alone, that it is your Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised your son Jesus from the dead who lives and works in us, in that act for that one. Restore in us the image of you. Make us your people and send us into your world as your representatives, your ambassadors for these prayers. We approach your table this morning in the name of your son, Jesus. Also, again, if you're a guest with us, I just want to reiterate how thankful we are that you are here to worship with us. Uh, and we know it can be tricky to get connected to a new congregation, and we want to make it really easy to do that because we love Catalyst. We think you would love Catalyst. We think if God called you here, uh, it's for a reason. So we want to help you figure that out. Uh, we do a thing called the Newcomer's Lunch once a month. It's right after this, so you just kind of stick around. We set up some tables and we feed you. And uh, in that time, it's about 45 minutes, and we tell you who Catalyst is and what God is doing here, and we give you an easy next step to get connected. So if you're interested in that, the next one is on July 16th. And uh, you can, uh, these tear-offs that we did earlier, there's a box at the top on one side that says you want to come to Newcomer's Lunch. You can just check that and uh, drop in the box by the door on your way out or come give it to me. I'd love to say hi and uh, answer any questions you have right now. But uh, either way, we just want to say again, thank you for being here. Uh, now, as you're going, just take a second to look around the room and just look at your beautiful faces. And just think about what happens when all of us does for one what we wish we could do for everyone. Catalyst, we, we, are, we are God's church. The one that he promised that the gates of hell, hell could not prevail against. And when we all are committed to just doing the next thing that God calls us to do, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, the same spirit that binds us together as one church makes us fully human, the, the way that we were created and called to be. And we change the world. We do miraculous things because we are who God created us and called us and is making us to be. So go, go into the world and do whatever that thing is that God is calling you to do next and trust that you don't do it alone. You do it as a part of Catalyst. You do it as a part of the church that is across the world and all throughout time. And you do it in the power of the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We'll see you next week.